Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. That's him. Oh. Him. The one who's been here the longest. But doesn't belong. The sad one. Why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Just stay with me and watch. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? <laughs> Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so, Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. long time I know it was about seven years ago <clears throat> I was able to s- literally sit in the spot where that story happened biblically speaking my wife and I were able to go to, to Jerusalem to to the Holy Lands and we went to the pool of Bethesda it's an area in Jerusalem the old city of Jerusalem and I sat on the side of that, and I was by myself. There's 11 of us that were there in our group. There's tons of people around, and I just sat there, and I thought to myself, I wonder what was going through his mind. It's in John chapter 5. It's this encounter that Jesus has with a guy 
who's paralyzed. He's stuck. He can't move. And so he's gotten the ability that people have brought him to this place that was known for its healing. And he's gone there for decades. And he's just waiting for somebody to help him to get to the place that he needs to go, but nobody will help him. And Jesus comes along and he says this, this phrase to him, which I think in the moment must have seemed so offensive. And for many of us, we hear what Jesus says to the guy and we say, how, how rude, how absolutely out of touch, how disconnected can this guy be to walk up to somebody who's sitting there and who obviously knows that there's something inside of him that needs to be healed. And Jesus has the audacity to say, do you want to be made well? And as I was sitting in that place, I asked myself the question, am I willing to do my part? You see, see, here's the thing about faith, and here's the thing about Jesus, and here's the thing about God, is, is, is he's asking every single person who's ever graced the face of this earth, every single moment of every single person's life, he is extending an invitation to say, do you want to be made well? But you see, the thing about this God that we have that loves us so much is he does not force himself upon us. And I thought to myself, how many times have I sat in a place that I so desperately want to be made well, and I've just tried to do it on my own? And I've realized it in my own efforts, in my own ways, that there are so many times that I'm, I, just, I just get stuck. Because we all get we all get stuck at times, don't we? And I don't know if you can go to the next slide. My clicker's not working, sorry. But I wonder where it is for you. Man, my goodness, it's, it's, been, it's been a horrible few weeks. When we think about this, 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 this place that we live, this place that we share, this place that God has given us to inhabit with one another and how we're doing with that. I mean, we think about the last four weeks. We have a shooting in a church. We have a hateful, racially motivated shooting in Buffalo, New York. We have a school, shooting in a school and there was just another shooting yesterday. And we realize nationally that we're stuck. And it's not just the things that are going on in the communities around us, it's our own lives too, isn't it? I mean, if I were to ask each one of you that just in, in, the, in, the, in the quiet of your own mind, in your own space, in your own life, if I were to say, where is it right now where you just feel like you're in a place where you've been trying to do it for so long and you've been trying to do the best you can to do the best you can, but it just doesn't feel as if you're going to get over that next hurdle, what would that place be? Would it be mentally? And I don't say that because I think that maybe if that's the place where you're at, that you don't have enough faith. Trust me, I am a card-carrying member in the person who struggles with mental health. It's been a part of my life for, oh, Jamie, Kelsey, and I were talking about age a little bit ago this afternoon, and I realized 
that some of my colleagues, that I look at them and think, hey, we're about the same age. I'm two decades older than them. <laughs> like, I've dealt with anxiety as long as some of these people have been alive. And sometimes I get stuck. And trust me, I exhaust every effort that I have to try to overcome it on my own. Or maybe it's relationally. Maybe you've, you've just wanted that so bad, and, and, and trust me, like if you want that to be a part of your life, that's not a bad thing at all. Don't beat yourself up for that. But maybe you feel like the longer it goes, the harder you try, and the harder you try, the worse it goes. And you just feel stuck. Or maybe it's in school or in work or, or whatever it is that you're doing right now. Maybe it's your family. The truth of the matter is that if we're going to look biblically, and we're going to look at the stories that, 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 that are told to us, that we encounter in God's living word, the story of this man at the side of this pool that was known to, to have healing properties that, that we can all identify with him, can't we? And my question is, is do you want it to get better? I mean, you could say, well, of, of course, of, of course we want it to get better. I mean, there's no mystery that we, we would do anything. We would do anything to get better. If you want to go to the next slide again. And that's why this series that we're starting here uh, at Revive this evening is so, is so important. The series that we're starting tonight is a series that's called, it's called When the Spirit Appears. When the Spirit Shows Up. I know for some of us, we're brand new to church, we're brand new to faith, we're brand new, and all of a sudden that word spirit comes out and you're like, check please, like I'm out. Like I'm cool with the singing, I'm cool with the, with the talking, but you start to talk about, check please, I'm, I'm out. Here's what I want you to know before we even get started, that when we talk about when the spirit shows up, when the spirit appears, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, let me just give you a very simple definition to it. It's the presence of God in the present tense. It's the fullness of God in the fullest sense. That the, that the Holy Spirit is literally God's presence that, that doesn't just hover over us, that doesn't just kind of go before us or come behind us. It literally, through the power of God's word, it lives in us. I, re I remember when I was uh, a junior in college, I had just gotten done with my last final, it was spring semester. I, I was an English major. That semester, I had five lit classes. It was bananas. It was horrible. One of my lit classes was called Russian drama. Why you would, I'm, like I searched like weeks for just a simple vowel in a person's name. It, I couldn't keep it all straight. So five lit classes, I had all my finals and I had this one uh, date on my calendar marked because that's when it was all, the suffering was going to be done. And so I got done with my, with my last final and this is like, remember, this is like, I graduated college in 1999. We didn't do it on computers. We did it like longhand. 
So we had these things called blue books, and there were these little, these little uh, notebooks that you, and we, uh, we had to fill up every line of every page, and it was just, it was awful. And so we, what we were going to do is as soon as my last, I was my last of all my friends to get done with finals, we were going to meet uh, at, at our apartment, and once we got to our apartment, we were going to hop in my car, we were going to go, my parents had a lake cabin that was only 62 miles away, we were going to go, we were going to go to the lake, and it was going to be freedom, like this time of year, it was beautiful. And I'll never forget, like, filling out the last of my final, I, I wrote peace out, because my, 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 uh, my uh, professor was so cool, I wrote peace out, and I circled it at the bottom, put it on his desk, I went to my car, and I remember uh, driving to my apartment, ready to experience freedom, and I, I was listening to huge Dave Matthews fan. I saw him 14 times in concert until I realized that, I, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I went to Colorado to see him. I went to Chicago to see him. I went all over to see him. And so I was listening. At the time, there was an album of Dave's called Before These Crowded Streets that had just come out, and there's a song on it that was called Crush. And the song in Crush, uh, it's about falling in love, but there's this, uh, there's this phrase in it that, that Dave Matthews, I don't know if I'm right side up or upside down. Like I find myself in this place, I'm living in this world, and, and I know that the earth is round, at least if you're logical, you know that the earth is round, not a flat earther, know that the earth is round, and it's in that moment that I just, it doesn't even matter. I could be, from the vantage point of somebody looking at the earth, I could be right side up or I could be upside down, but all I know is I'm here and I'm present and life is good. And I remember realizing in that moment that it wasn't Dave Matthews that was just absolutely allowing my soul to soar. It was somehow God was moving in the middle of that, and I came into his presence up close and personal. I call them goosebump moments. Have those where you just know that life is just so good. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God in in the present tense. It's God's gift to us to bring us to life. And so Paul's writing a letter. This guy by the name of Paul who writes most of the, the, the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament is written by a guy by the name of Paul. And what Paul is doing is he's writing letters to churches that are trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus? And so Paul, in a letter to the, the church in Galatia, it's this community that, that exists, and, and as they're following Jesus, they're not getting it right, which is a reminder for those of us who inhabit this place that sometimes, press release, the church does not get it right. And if you're brand new here, I just want to let you know that we are going to mess up at times because we're human. And we're imperfect, but the God we pursue is perfect. And he's the north star for us. So Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and Paul is saying to this Galatian church, hey, you're stuck. You got all of these things going on in your community, and it seems as if things aren't going the way that they're supposed to go. It seems like maybe the things that are going on in here have a lot of a resemblance to the things that are going on in our lives, too. And so Paul writes to him, he says, Hey, you got to turn back. You gotta quit trying to do it on your own. He says the, 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 the Holy Spirit, this, 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 this gift that, that, that God has given to you, the Holy Spirit 
It's going to change you. It's going to transform you. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And here's what I want to say about that. When we hear sinful nature, all we hear is maybe somebody wagging a finger at us and telling us how bad we are. Sinful nature is just the reality that we are broken people who don't get it right all the time. So Paul's not cursing them out. Paul's saying to the Galatian church, hey, you stuck? Feel like it's not going the way that it's supposed to go? Maybe it's that you're trying to control it more than you need to control it. So let the presence of God in the present tense, let, let, let God control your lives. As Paul writes this uh, letter to the church in Rome, and it's, uh, it, it's one, one of the most powerful pieces in all of scripture. And this Paul who writes two-thirds of the New Testament is fascinating He's this person that has this encounter with Jesus, but he's still the same person that has a really important message for all of us, that somehow you don't graduate from your humanity. Like the pursuit of Christianity is not perfection. Please don't think that it is. The pursuit of following Jesus is to get to know him and to let him be the one who allows us to see ourselves and to see the world around us. And if we started to do that, maybe we would treat each other a little bit better. So Paul, who had not graduated from his humanity, said, I see this simple principle at work in my life, that I want to do what is good, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what is wrong, but but I do it anyway. And then Paul goes on, he says, who... Oh, what a wretched soul. Who's going to save me from this body that seems to be so consumed with with sin and death? It was just this past week. uh, We have uh, have a son. His his name is Trey. He's he's just, our our daughter's Jade. He's 11. She's 10. And they're just the best. Like, I just love my kids. I could talk to them all about them all the time. My son, he had, a, he had a baseball game this last week, and he played well. He played great. Of course, I'm going to say that. I love him. But, but he just did something stupid. He was mad about something, and, and one of the things that we tell our kids is that you have to be kind, loving, and respectful. We don't care what you do with your lives, as long as you're kind, loving, and respectful. He did something that was completely disrespectful. He got called out in a play. He thought he was, he was out. But he was called out, but he's too prideful to admit that sometimes he might not be safe. So he got mad, and so he yelled at the, the ump, and the ump kind of didn't yell back at him. The ump told him, and we, 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 we got into, I am a coach, I got into his face. Told him, we don't do that. And then... I, this is embarrassing to say because it's like you, you want your kids to be better. But, he's, but the coach said something to him and said, hey, hey, buddy, and he meant it in all kind of, hey, buddy, you, you were out because the kid that made the catch made an amazing catch. So after the, the game, it was time to shake hands, and uh, I didn't see it happen. So we walked through the, the handshaking line, and 
uh, we got over to where my wife and my daughter was, and, and my wife, Bridget, said, hey, something took place in that line. You might want to check it out. And I looked at my son, and my son, who's a pretty, pretty strong kid, uh, emotionally, not physically, he started to cry, and I said, what'd you do? He said, Dad, I want to tell you. I said, what'd you do? Dad, I want, I don't, I want you to know. I said, what did you do? So I didn't shake his hand. And I said, you go over there and you shake his hand. He said, Dad, I don't want to do that. I said, why? He said, because I'm so embarrassed. I said, you have to go over and shake his hand. So he goes over there and he's, you know, he's kind of crying while he does it. And he comes back. And I mean, I was just, I was just laying into him. My son said to me, he said, uh, when we were in the, car, in, in the car, he said, Dad, do you, do you still find yourself proud of me? When Paul says this, Paul's not saying that somehow we just need to look at ourselves and look at how awful we are. But we need to acknowledge that sometimes left to our own devices, we don't do it right. And can we just be okay with that? Can we have a little bit of humility to realize that sometimes we go through the handshake line of life and we pull our hand away when we should have extended our hand in love. And sometimes we need to be able to take stock of our lives and say, you know what? I want to do what is right. That's my hope. That's my goal. But sometimes I don't do it. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but sometimes I do it anyway. But here's the thing. And here's the gift that God has for us. And here's why Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, there is is a better way. There is hope for us. There is a God who loves us so much. He didn't come to just give us good teachings. And he didn't come to just give us a different way of doing life. He came to be our savior. That not just to tell us a better way, but to save us from the times in which we don't do it right. So Paul says to the church in Rome, hey, let me teach you a better way. Paul says to the church in Galatia, hey, let me tell you a better way. Paul says through God's word to you and to me, hey, there is a better way. And it's allowing the Holy Spirit to take root in your lives and to say, God, I don't get it right, but God, I trust that you are the one who is right. And this is, my friends, the way that we're going to right the world. Because if we don't, who's going to? If the church doesn't rise up with a message of the gospel, the good news of a God who didn't come to judge, but a God who came to save, who's going to do it? Paul says to the church in Galatia, the sinful nature gets a hold and it produces sinful things. But when you let the Holy Spirit, it produces fruit. Now look at this list. Who doesn't need more of this? Holy Spirit produces. When, when we can acknowledge and we can allow God to start to take control, the Holy Spirit produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sound good? So for the next handful of weeks, that's what we're going to look at. Tonight we get to look at number one. We get to look at love.
I were to ask you the question, what is love, how would you respond? If I were to say, if you were to define love in one, if I were to give you one opportunity in one sentence to define what love is, how would you define love? I think a lot of us, we would start to, we would start to talk about feelings, wouldn't we? Love is when I, I feel somebody's uh, compassion for me. Love is when I'm with my friends and, and we're, we're, we're doing something and, and everything is just, it's just right. Love is when we agree with one another. Love is when we enjoy things when, with one another. Love is when we line up and the stars line and everything is just the way it's supposed to be. That's love, right? Those things can come with love, but that's not love. Thank God for that. Because all of those things that I just said are based on what we do. And here's what love is. Love is based on who we are. Because whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, you have been created in the very image and the very likeness of God. You bear his image and because God is love you are created in love Holy Spirit produces love this is what same John who writes about the man who was at the the pool in Bethsaida writes the scripture reading that Laura read for us just a few minutes ago it's first John chapter 4 This uh, is a scripture passage that I had written uh, on a rock in my office for the first probably 10 years that I worked here. Because for me, this is the rock on which I stand. Because if I'm going to be honest, this doesn't always come naturally to me. Maybe I'm not like my son. Maybe my son sometimes is a lot like his dad. So here's what love is. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Same John who witnessed what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternity. I think so many times one of the difficulties that so many of us have with faith and with life and with God and with Jesus and with the idea of of this whole thing that we're doing is we somehow feel like it's all up to us and it's all, have you ever wondered if God is real because you might not believe at a certain time? And so then you think, well, how could God love me if that's the way that I'm questioning right now? Here's the thing, every single one of us is gonna question God at some point in our life. You wanna know what never happens? God questioning you. God's love for you goes beyond your questions about him. Every single time. Thank God for that. And a little hint, uh, 
if anybody says that they never question God, run from them because they're just not telling the truth. Faith is not the absence of doubt. In fact, faith is doubt that's been questioned. God showed how much he loved us by by sending his one and only son. And here's the thing, is that the reality is, is that God loved us first. God loved us first. Here's the thing in John chapter five, that scene from the chosen that you saw at the beginning of this message, here's the thing that we need to realize. Is that the guy had been going to that pool every single day for decades. And not once in that time did he try to get to God. But God got to him. God showed up in the person of Jesus Christ right into the middle of the reality of him being stuck. And what makes us think that he won't do the same thing for us? I want to show you the kind of the conclusion of this part of this story from this show. But before we show that, I want you to use this this scene from this show as a metaphor for you. Don't think about Jesus looking at the man who is paralyzed. Thinking about Jesus looking straight into the eyes of you who he loves. Whatever pool it is that you found yourself paralyzed beside. And hear the words that he has for you. Take a look. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. Ha <laughs> 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 
to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. I just love that. You see, God loved us first to make us well to save us, to heal us. Some of us, I, I, I think, probably wonder, and we say, you know what, I've been asking to be healed in that way for so long, and it's just never happened to me. Now I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. And we'll say, well, why doesn't God heal like that now? There's a word in, in the Greek, and I don't want to minimize this at all, but there's a word in the Greek that means to heal. And the word in the Greek that means to heal, it's, the word is sozo. Jesus sozoed that man. But there's a definition to that word sozo that comes before to heal, and you want to know what it is? It means to save. You see, because what God wanted to give that man more than the ability to give him the ability, more than to give him the ability to walk, is what Jesus wanted to give that man was the certainty of his eternity. Look, there is a reality that every one of us this side of heaven are going to take a last physical breath, but there's also a reality that's stronger than that is that through the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that you and I have been loved so much that God has opened up the gates of eternity, that you and I will be able to, like it or not, spend the rest of eternity with one another. That's love. That God thought about eternity, a God who isn't bound by space and time. God thought about that and said, I can't bear to think about that without you. Because I love you. Because I died for you. Because I gave my life for you. And John says in 1 John chapter 4, he says, God loved you so much that he moved first. And dear friends, John goes on, because God loved you that much, shouldn't we start to love the world the same way? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Not just for us, but the the spirit of love to live through us. I mean, I thought, you know, how much, how easy is it for us to think, here's the way in which I need to experience God and I need to be loved and I need to be healed and I wonder if we could move from us to the world around us. I mean, let your love be a, a love that's felt and not just heard. I don't know if you know this, but this is why you came here tonight. You came to hear God's, not my word, not the word through our, our worship team, not the word through Jamie and announcements, not the word that, that, that we could produce. 
But the most powerful word that was given was the word that God spoke as Laura read God's word. And God's word produces life and it reminds us of God's love and, and it heals us so that it could, it could send us. You know, one, one of the most difficult things that I've ever done in my life, and it humbles me every day, is to be a parent, because I suck at it. I just do. Because so, I'm so scared I'm going to mess them up. <laughs> because I realize they already dealt a shorthand because I'm their dad. And so I have this whole encounter with my son, and he's like, could you guys still be proud of me? And I realized that I didn't let my son know that I love him. So we're laying in his bed that night, and this is, happens way too often in our house. Did you, do you know that I love you? Yeah, Dad, I know that you love me. I said, no, buddy, I need, I need you to know that we could throw the whole thing away and you could do nothing for the rest of your life and I'd still love you. That my love for you isn't based on how you perform in a classroom, in a social setting, on a sports field. Good night, not even close does that get to determine whether or not I love you. Your, my love for you is based on the fact that, buddy, you're a part of me. You are, are mine. And you're the most valuable thing on this earth. When I see you, I see the one that I love more than anybody else but your sister because she's just cuter than you. <laughs> I talk about my kids, I cry, I had to make a joke. And if I could love my kids that much, how much more could God love me? Revive my prayer for you tonight is that when you leave this place, after you give Holden a hug, because he loves hugs, so hug him. <laughs> Payback sucks and I'm gonna get it back. Is that you would go knowing that God's love lives in you and it's free to live through you. Bible says that they will know that we are Jesus' followers by our love. Don't be a person who follows Jesus in what you say, but not by how you make people feel. I believe, I really do believe, that we have the opportunity to change the world, to turn an upside-down world right side up again. And so let's not talk about it anymore. Let's go do it. And I wonder how this week will look different for the people around us.
because we've experienced the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's not talk about it. Let's go do it. So let's stand, let's sing, then eat more ice cream than we need, and then go love the, the world. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.